Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, in just a moment, I'll read the entire chapter. And uh, I'm grateful today that God wants us to be godly Christians. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about training ourselves for godliness. We spoke last week. That phrase, by the way, comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training uh, is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. If you were here last Sunday, we had a great Sunday. We baptized 28 people last Sunday. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we had uh, a good time. We had one service, had a great group of folks here. But we talked about training ourselves for godliness and the five disciplines that you should engage in to do that. And they are simply reading the Bible, praying, sharing the gospel, being involved in a discipleship group and fasting, doing it without food for spiritual purposes. And people who love Jesus do those things. They practice those disciplines. And because of that, they train themselves for godliness. They become more like Jesus Christ. And becoming more like Jesus Christ is the goal. That's the goal. That's what we're supposed to be. Not just accumulating scriptures, while that is wonderful, not just, you know, doing the work, but we're to be more like Christ. When people get around us, they sense the presence of the Lord. And when you read your Bible, and when you pray, and when you share the gospel, and when you get involved in discipleship, and when you fast, you will train yourself in godliness. So here's where we're going the next few weeks. I just want to share that with you today. Last week, we talked about the overview of training yourself for godliness. Today, I'm going to talk about a godly Christian and his faith. We're going to talk about faith today, and we'll be in Genesis chapter 22. Next week, a godly Christian and his family, we're going to talk about marriage. Marriage, biblical marriage, is under attack in America and in the world, but particularly in America, and we're going to talk about that and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about it. We've heard what everybody else thinks about it. We need to hear what God thinks about it. And then the next Sunday, January the 22nd, we'll be talking about a godly Christian and his family. We'll be talking about parenting. The next week on January the 29th, a godly Christian and his friends. You need to have godly friends. We'll talk about that and how that can happen on the 29th. And then on February the 5th, we're going to talk about a godly Christian and his finances. So faith, family, marriage, family, parenting, friends, and finances. Today we're going to talk about a godly Christian and his faith. What is faith? Well, it's defined in Scripture. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I love the New um, New American Standard Bible. I've been preaching out of it for 45 years, but I really like the New Living Translation as well. 
And the New Living Translation, let me give you Hebrews 11.1 1 in that. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. What we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. Faith hopes with assurance that something good is going to happen. An athlete hopes he'll actually get to play in the game instead of just suiting up and never playing. A young girl hopes that she will meet and marry her true love. A young man hopes he will get a good job. An elderly Christian hopes that others will not forget him or her when he gets old. Faith is that confident hope that something good is coming your way. I hope that you will hope. <laughs> I hope that you'll have confident hope. I pray that you will have hope and know that God is a good God who gives good things to his children. And he wants you to walk in faith. I've also seen faith described by an acronym. You've seen an acronym. An acronym is simply putting a word going north to south and putting words out from it. And here's the acronym, fully assured I trust him. Fully assured, faith. Fully assured, I trust him. One of the greatest examples of faith in all of the Bible is found in Genesis 22. And in that text, God told Abraham to do something that is just unbelievable, to offer up his son Isaac as a living sacrifice. Our text today is going to show us a lot of things, but one thing I want you to write down. God has a purpose for every trial. God has a purpose for every trial. Say that with me. God has a purpose for every trial. Look there in Genesis 22. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering. And he arose, he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abram... Abraham raised his eyes, saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood on the, of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But, but, 
the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, don't you stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him for now I know that you fear, you revere, you respect, you love God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes, looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Substitutionary atonement. I've had liberal theologians tell me that's not in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. It's amazing what you can find if you'll just read it. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it's said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. When God called Abraham, he was a pagan and he was 75 years old. God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and said, you're mine. I put my hand on you. We would say he got born again and he promised him a son named Isaac. 11 years later, Abraham, trying to help God out, had a son named Ishmael by another woman named Hagar. But then finally, 25 years after the promise, you know, sometimes God is slow about his promise. In our, from our perspective, he's slow, but he's always right on time. 25 years later, at the age of 100, Abraham had Isaac by Sarah, and she was 90 years old. But then, when Isaac was in his early teens, God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Why on earth would God ask Abraham to do something like that? It had to do with building his faith. Building his faith. And God will ask you to do some things that may not make a lot of sense to you, but he'll do that to build your faith. Let me tell you just a few things, five things that God did, I believe. Faith strengthens. I believe his faith was strengthened when it was tested. Look at verse one. Now it came about after those things that God tested Abraham. Say that with me. God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I love that. Whenever God says, Abraham, God says, here I am. I'm available. Here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Notice how precise God is. Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. God tested Abraham. Don't ever tell me God doesn't test people. Sure he does. Sure he does. Does it all the time. He tested Abraham. And God tests us as well. Why? God has a purpose for our trials. And here it was to strengthen and increase Abraham's faith. Abraham was tested by God to see if he loved God more than he loved his son, his only son from Sarah, Isaac. God tested Abraham to strengthen his faith. And the Lord knows that tested faith strengthens believers. He, he tests his children all the time. He's testing you whether you like it or not. I never did like tests, did you? I liked the course, but I didn't like the test. Why do you have to take those tests? Why do you have to take midterms and final terms and all that? Why do we have to do that? I can remember studying hours for tests. 
Well, if you're a Christian, God's going to test you. Why does he do that before you enter the promised land? He did it to the people of Israel when they were, before they got into Israel. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you. What's the next thing? Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Jesus' brother, James, says that God will test you, Christian. Right at the very beginning of James' book, he says in verses, chapter one, verses two through four, consider it all joy, rejoice, brethren, when you encounter, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Say it out loud. Endurance. You didn't say it very heartily, but you said it. Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect or its mature result so that you may be perfect, mature, complete, lacking in nothing. God is not focused on your comfort. God is focused on your Christ-likeness. Some of you are going through a test right now, a trial right now. It might be in your marriage. I'm talking to somebody in this room. You say, Brother Steve, if you just knew my situation, you'd understand. You've even considered divorce. If that's the case, stop focusing on divorce and start focusing on passing your test. God is using hard circumstances to strengthen every one of us in this room spiritually. Every one of us. And your test, when you're tested, you know what you do? You pray more. You get in the Bible more. You go to church more. You long for God's presence more. You long to hear his voice more. You want to walk in faith. You desire God's will more. It's when you're tested. That's when you're strengthened spiritually. And again, there are people in this room today, you're being tested. God rarely gives any, I don't think he ever gives anybody an easy way out all the time. God has a purpose for your trial. Faith strengthens you. And you may not be amening, but what I'm telling you will get you through what you're going through. Just remember, you're going to be stronger on the other side of the test. And you'll be able to help people when they're in the same situation. Secondly, faith not only strengthens, but it also serves. When you have faith, you become a servant, a slave of God. Look at verses three and four. Abraham rose early in the morning. Why? Because God told him to. <laughs> he didn't have an option he's going to be an obedient child. So he rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, Isaac, his son, split wood for the burnt offering, rose and went to the place which God had told him. He just obeyed God. God said, do this. He did it. I can remember when we had children at home telling them to do something and they thought they had time to think about it. I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted them to do it. Take the garbage out. They just stare at the garbage can. <laughs> Do it now. Oh, now? 
Sound like a lot of Christians, right? God tells you to do something. You say, oh, now? Now? You want me to do it now? Lord, you're interrupting my schedule. <laughs> I got news for you. If you're a Christian, you don't have a schedule. He's your schedule. You do what he says. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering and rose, went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, verse four, Abraham raised his eyes, saw the place from a distance. Abraham's three-day trip ended at a look at the mountain on which he would slay his son. He looked at the mountain that God had led him to. How many of you ever had a mountain? Have you ever faced a mountain in life? Marty Robbins wrote a song that Elvis Presley sang, but this time, Lord, you gave me a mountain, a mountain you know I may never climb. It isn't just a hill any longer. You gave me a mountain this time. In the world's eye, Abraham was the epitome of success. He was wealthy. He had power. He was wise. He was beloved. And yet in God's eyes, he was just simply another servant and a slave of the Lord. Jesus said these words to all of his disciples. Please listen. In fact, I want you to read it with me. Luke 17, 10. This will take some of you by surprise. So you too, read it with me now. So you too, when you do all the things which you're commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Say that part again. We are unworthy slaves. How many of you know that you're just an unworthy slave? Did you know that? Because I don't, I don't really like that preacher. I'm not feeling good right now. That doesn't make me feel good. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to give you the word of God. I, I, I hope you feel good. But you know what? You need to understand, if you are a Christian, you are a slave to Jesus Christ. You're a slave. You're a servant. Jesus said so. We're unworthy slaves. Abraham shows us all how we can be slaves of Christ. We read in Hebrews about Abraham. Walking in faith, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking, Abraham was, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He wasn't looking for anything on this earth. He was looking for his home in heaven. He was walking by faith. Abraham, the great man of faith, was just a slave of God. I want to ask you, is that how you see yourself? You see yourself like that? An unworthy slave? Do you wake up thinking, what God, do you want me to do today? Or do you think about your to-do list? Is your to-do list God's to-do list? Is what you want to do what God wants you to do? Or do you just think things up to do? Anybody can write a bunch of stuff on the paper and stay busy the rest of your life and totally miss the will of God. 
totally miss the will of God and be busy all the time. Has God told you something that you really don't want to do? Have you abandoned yourself to the will of God? Christian, will you submit to God? Wife, will you submit to your husband? Children, will you submit to your parents? Citizen, will you submit to your governmental leaders? Employee, will you submit to your supervisor? Student, will you submit to your teacher? We live in a day of rebellion against God-ordained authority. Rebellion. And rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, the Bible says. Because the devil is the ultimate rebel. That rebel spirit is satanic. Will you obey God? Will you start reading your Bible, sharing your faith with lost people, fellowshipping with Christians, tithing to your church? When God saves you, you become a slave. You lose your rights. If you don't want to be a slave, don't get saved. The minute you get saved, you lose all rights. God has a purpose for your trial. It's time to rise up, saddle up, go up to Mount Moriah and die. <laughs> you say, man, I'm getting blessed by this one, Brother Steve. This is good. Faith serves. Say that with me. Faith serves. We're just slaves. That's all we are. That's all we want to be because he's a wonderful master. Amen? Number three, faith speaks. Well, you got to talk sometime. And say it even though it's not there yet. It's not craziness as you're just saying, you know what, Lord, I believe this is going to be good. Faith speaks. As Abraham approached Mount Moriah, he speaks twice in faith. Look at the first time, verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Now, what he's saying is, Isaac and I are going to go to that mountain and we're going to worship. And they don't know it. I'm going to sacrifice him. But somehow, miraculously, we're coming back to y'all. We're coming back. We're going up. He and I are going up. And then we'll come back to you. Is that not a great statement of faith? He spoke in faith. And he spoke in faith another time. Look at verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it on Isaac, his son. He took it. He took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac was carrying the wood upon which he would be sacrificed. Verse 7. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. I love that. Abraham is not only available to God, he's available to his children. We need more fathers that are available to their children. God didn't just give you those children to provide for and to protect. He gave those children for you to be available to them. Here I am, son. And Isaac said, behold, here's the fire, here's the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Don't you know that was a knife in the heart of Abraham? But he spoke a second time in faith and said, verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide. Say it with me. God 
will provide. How many of you ever heard the phrase Jehovah Jireh? Literally, Yahweh Yireh. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then the ultimate moment of obedience came. Not only did Abraham speak with words of faith, he spoke with actions of faith. Verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac. You know what? Isaac was a teenage boy. I got news for you. A teenage boy can whip a man that's over 100 years old. Amen? Isaac had to have respected his father and believed, you know what, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust your walk with God. Can you imagine that? Isaac, he bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Now he's about to sacrifice his son and the New Testament describes this very point as one of the greatest acts of faith in the Bible. Romans 4, 20 and 21. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he, Abraham, did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in what? Faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. That's some of the most beautiful scripture in the Bible. Abraham never wavered in unbelief. He grew strong in faith. He knew God would keep his promises. Let's go back to a Hebrews commentary on what happened there in chapter 11 of Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offering be named. Now look at verse 19 on the screen. He, Abraham, considered that God was able to even raise him, that is Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham is saying, I'm, I'm gonna do this, Lord. I know you're, you've already promised that my future generations will be through this boy, and I know that even if I kill him on this altar, somehow you're going to raise him from the dead. Praise God. He spoke in faith. He trusted God. Do you? Do you? Or do you walk in fear? Do you trust God to supply your needs? Or do you fear? Do you trust God to guide you or do you fear? Do you trust God to protect you or do you fear? Do you trust God to handle politics in America or do you fear? Last time I checked, God is still on the throne. Do you trust God to provide for you regardless of the economy, regardless of the stock market? Where is your faith? Is it in man 
or God? Do you trust God in all of your circumstances or do you live in fear? You can't live in faith and live in fear. Faith speaks the promises of God. God has a purpose for your trial. Faith speaks. Faith also satisfies. Look at verses 11 and 12. But the angel of the Lord, oh, now it's getting good. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He just says it all the time. Here I am, Lord. I was here a while ago when you called. I was here when my son called. I'm here when you call again. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Let's all say that together. Could we just lift our hands up and say, here I am, Lord. Could we do that right now? Here I am, Lord. Go around saying that all day. Here I am, Lord. Whatever you want. And mean it. Mean it. He said, don't stretch out your hand against the lad. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, you revere God, you love God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Pagan gods, demons, demanded child sacrifice in that very land. Abraham knew it. I believe part of what God's doing is, do you love me, Abraham, as much as these pagans love their demons? And interesting, they were sacrificing children. I think all abortion is, is a sacrifice to a pagan God. That's all abortion is. It's child sacrifice to a demon. Abraham proved faith words by faith actions. Anybody can speak faith words, but it's another thing to put it to action. God had a purpose for his trial. Even before Isaac was born, Abraham was a man of faith. The Bible says in Genesis 15, 6, he believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith in God gave him peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How many of you say, you know, whatever else I've got, I've got peace with God. Amen? There's not just the peace of God, but have you been saved? Do you have peace with God? Have all your sins been atoned by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you received him as Lord and Savior? Your faith satisfies God's requirements for salvation. Your faith is reckoned to you as righteousness. I'm telling you, God has a purpose for every trial. Faith satisfies. Well, faith strengthens. Faith serves. Faith speaks. Faith satisfies. But I'll tell you something else. Faith secures. It secures something that only faith can secure. It gets something that only faith can get. Look at verse 13. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. Behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. Don't you know Abraham was proud to see that ram? And don't you know Isaac was glad to see that ram? If I'd been Isaac, I'd have been seeing the doxology right there, amen? Maybe that's where the doxology came from. I don't know. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I'm serious. <laughs> Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Let's say that together. The Lord will provide. How many of you believe that? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Let's say it together. The Lord will provide. You just say that the next time you have fear. Oh, I reject you, spirit of fear. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to live going around acting like the whole thing's coming apart. No, the Lord, is, as long as the Lord doesn't come apart, everything's going to be okay. And the Lord's not going to have a come apart. Amen. The Lord will provide. The Lord will protect. The Lord will guide me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm just going to live with the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Change your life. Jehovah Jireh will change your life. Old Job knew about it. Job lost it all, but God didn't lose it all. God had more than enough and gave him double back. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, Job chapter 42. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, all who had known him before came to him and they ate bread with him in his house. They consoled him, they comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. Each one gave him one piece of money, each a ring of gold. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Say that with me. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. I pray that all the time. Lord, bless the latter days more than the beginning. Bless the latter days of Bellevue more than the beginning. Bless the latter days of my marriage more than the beginning. Lord, bless the latter days of my life more than the beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons, three daughters. He named the first Jemima and the second Keziah and the third Karin Hapuk. In all the land, no woman, no women were found so fair as Job's daughters. Their father gave their, them inheritance among their brothers, which was unheard of in that day. After this, Job lived another 140 years and saw his sons, his grandsons, his four generations, and Job died an old man full of days. Let's thank God that he is a God who rewards. Amen. God had a purpose for Job's trial. God had a purpose for Abraham's trial. God has a purpose for your trial. Rejoice. Be glad. And it's secured by faith. Hebrews eleven six, one of the greatest verses in the Bible on faith. Would you read it with me from the screen, please? Read it good and slow. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. How many of you want God to reward you? Anybody? Well, you should. God's a rewarder of those who do what? Seek him. How do we do that? Prayer. Reading our Bible. Fasting witnessing, fellowshipping with Christians, being discipled, worshiping God. We're going to grow in grace and God is going to let us secure his blessings by faith.
God has a purpose for your trial. Now, I can't talk about this without just saying, do you see any resemblance between Genesis 22 and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ? I just wrote down a few things. It's a lot like Abraham is a type for God the Father and Isaac is a type for Jesus. In other words, they kind of represent them in this story. Like Abraham took his son Isaac, God took his son Jesus. And by the way, Moriah was the same hill upon which Jesus died. Is that not amazing? Like Abraham, God promised that Jesus would die and then rise from the dead. Like Isaac, Jesus went early in the morning to be sacrificed. Like Isaac, Jesus carried the wood. That is, he carried his cross upon which he would be sacrificed. Like Abraham did with Isaac, God walked with Jesus up the hill to Calvary. Like Abraham said to Isaac, God provided the ultimate lamb that would be the ultimate sacrifice in Christ. Like Abraham put Isaac on the altar, God put Jesus, his son, on the altar of the cross. But unlike Abraham, God sacrificed his son on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of mankind. And unlike Isaac, Jesus himself was the lamb caught in the thicket. And like Abraham, God knew that after Jesus died, he'd raise him from the dead. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Let's praise him right now, amen. God has a purpose for every trial, every trial. 